Welcome to the Curious Women Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fignano, and I'm here with my co-host, Meg Hager. Here, we're going to have chats about women's health to teach you the things that you didn't know you didn't know. Wait, I want to ask the question this week. What are you drinking? Mm. I did it. I went right to it. Yes. Jumping on in there. Who are you asking though? I'm asking you, you to start because I saw you drinking. Mm. Yes. I'm yes. So I have my usual, it is eight in the, in ah, 8am over here. And Mm -hmm. so I had so far, I've had an apple and this protein shake, (laughs) not nearly enough, but we're doing it. And so we're doing it. (laughs) We're doing it. I just did some protein powder and my normal, Ovacetol. I just found out that some people call it ovacetol. I don't know why. Oh. There we go again. I'm I'm just restructuring this is the English language. <laughs> <laughs> this is not the first word that we were like, huh? I'm not this really not sure. Me. Not the first word. Nope. And it won't be the last. I promise you that. So ovacetol, ovacetol, whatever we want to call it, it's in there. As well as some protein powder. And I had an apple. Oh, and there's some um do you, are you guys familiar with Ripple Milk? Yes. Yeah. The brand Ripple. Does it have like yeah. the coconut oil in it or something? No. It no. has. Okay. So some of the flavors might, because I, I recently recommended this to a client once and she came back to me and she was like, um, are you sure this is the one you wanted? Because there's all this <laughs> crap in here. And I was like, that's weird. But yeah. it's, it's the original unsweetened. Oh, it's a very okay. specific, they have apparently an original sweetened and like all the, oh. all the things, mm. which I don't know why you do that, but whatever. Is it almond milk? It's pea milk. And I oh, might, I need to specify PEA. Cause when I say this <laughs> to clients immediately, they're like, what are you telling me to drink? <laughs> you, you crazy I mean, person. I knew you were a weirdo, but you that's were, too far. <laughs> on the desert island. Yeah, exactly. They're like, I need my money back, miss. I did not pay you to tell me to drink pea milk. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, that's yummy. I don't think I've ever yeah. tried it. I like it for me because it's got like something like eight grams of protein in a mm-hmm. six, six to eight grams of protein in an eight in a cup. So it's pretty yeah. similar to soy milk and cow's milk, but okay. not soy or cow's milk. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Anyway, what are you drinking, Kylie? I have, I'm going to have you guess. I mean, you know, I have coffee. I just got a little coffee, but just okay. take a wild guess. Okay, I'm gonna it's guess not that, that wild. I'm gonna guess that the coffee is the almond butter latte from the place Miriam. Oh no, <laughs> but now I want that. I love you for knowing that. Oh my god, no, this is just a coffee I warmed up from this morning. It's not even very I've, delicious. I've been thinking about that almond butter latte since you told me about it, and almond I've been butter. Oh, like... Kylie, you need to tell Jennifer about this almond butter. Listen. Latte. There's a place, it's a coffee shop here. It's local in DC, but they've got a ton of them here called Compass. And they do an almond butter latte. And most of the time, I can't get a sweetener or like a flavor in a latte because it instantly gives me a headache. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. It has that weird sugary. But they make their syrups there. And they do an almond butter one. And it is, we love you, Mm -hmm. Compass. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. So unfortunately now, thank you for pointing out that that's not what this is. This is just (laughs) regular old coffee. Exactly. But I'm also drinking. What would you guess? Not besides coffee. You it's Uh, my favorite. You're you're four sigmatic. I'm sure. Maybe. No. 
Wow. We're really <laughs> name dropping here and I feel very seen. Thank you. No, oh, keep going. The other bri- there are two other things that I often oh, drink, Olipop. I'm realizing. Olipop. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For those of you who cannot see us, she is in fact <laughs> drinking Olipop. <laughs> eternally, eternally. I'm sorry, that was supposed to be way more obvious than I than it ended up being. <laughs> no, you know what it was? I I've been I've been listening. We've been talking about Four Sigmatic and the almond butter lot. It's like I was pulling out the archives from a while yes. ago, whereas Olipop was more, more recent, at least on these episodes. So that's yes. why it took me a while to get there. <laughs> And they were all very me. They were all completely yeah. appropriate responses. So anyway. Oh, you anyway. guys are so good with your hydration. I'm like terrible. I'm drinking Starbucks here. <laughs> no, that's yeah. fine too. What are you drinking from Starbucks? Tell so us. I get a decaf espresso with mm. iced, lots and mm-hmm. lots of ice and added water and a little cream. Oh, so huh. it mixes that all lovely. together. It's like very, it's like dessert almost, mm. I think. Yum. I can't give up like cream. I just love creaminess and I can't totally. find like almond milk. It just doesn't do it for me. You I won't find the same. it in almond milk. Mm-mm. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Not the same. Agreed. So I figure, you know what? I enjoy it. I'm going to savor it and yes. just trust that my body knows what it's doing and can Mm-mm. process it. What a concept. What a concept, huh? Oh my gosh. You know, that is a good lead in. Why don't you tell us who you are? Tell us who you are. What do you do? Introduce yourself. Thank you for having me on into this like fun, playful space with you Mm -hmm. ladies. Um, You're welcome. So I'm Jennifer (laughs) Bronsnick, and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm also a health coach, a human design specialist, um, a heart math practitioner. Um, And so in my work, I work mostly with women with anxiety. And now because I'm going through my own divorce, I'm almost at the end of that whole process. That's, you know, that journey. Um, I am feeling called to hold other women's hands through that process so that they can, because I feel amazing. Like divorce has been really, really empowering for me, um, but only because I had the right tools and the right support in place. And so when I go Mm -hmm. and I'm on all these Facebook groups for divorcing women, and I'm like, this can be so much better, ladies. Like mm, you can mm. have fun in your divorce. You can, you know, go date during your divorce. You can mm. sort of create this next chapter. Um, but I think a lot of people get stuck in the either, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And sort of in this fear space. So it's like helping mm. people shift through this massive, probably like one of the most stressful adult life transitions is divorce, divorcing, okay. especially with children. Uh, um, I can imagine. And it can be awesome. It can be really transformative. You can call in all these new soul family members while you release other family members maybe (laughs) from their side, right? So it's it's this space of creating your next chapter from this elevated, expansive place. So that is what I'm calling in and it's sort of starting to offer probably September. 
Right now Love I'm that. still wow. gathering and kind of I'm in summer mode really. So I'm just mm. I'm gathering wisdom at this point. Mm. Um signed up for a divorce coaching program just so I feel like I have a foundation and um and also bring all the other things I mentioned. So the heart math, the nutrition, the anxiety treatment, um, tapping, you know, all those, all those things. That's so cool. Okay, I feel like we just created the outline. So <laughs> Here, I want to, I want to talk about, I want to talk about anxiety in the first, in the first place, which is such a disgustingly broad category, but I do want to talk about a few things. I want you to tell us what heart math, tapping, and, and blueprint, what, what's the, um, thank you. Yes. I could only have blueprint in my head. Yeah. Um, and I really, Meg, can we go here? I want to hear more about the divorce piece. I was Mm. sitting at a table last week with, there were three guys and three girls and all three of us were in our early thirties and had been, or are in the process of getting divorced. Interesting. And we were like, you know, this is, it's like, it's becoming a rite of passage in a way. And I'm not (laughs) saying that in the same way that you have like a sweet 16, right? I'm not uh-huh. saying it's something to look forward to or to plan for or mm-hmm. to like go into marriage planning mm-hmm. on happening, right? But my point is that's like, wow, <laughs> it's it happens a lot. A lot. It Every is day, half of all marriages, like 70% mm-hmm. of all second marriages, like it's mm-hmm. not oh, wow. I didn't know that. that sentence. Wow. <laughs> but it is very so wonderful. Crazy about- yeah. It's yeah. very lonely. And yeah. anyway, okay. So what which one of those things feels like a good starting point? Because I I what do you want? Yeah. I mean, so okay, anxiety. So mm-hmm. you're right. There are many reasons for anxiety. It could be your marriage. It could be that relationship can be very dysregulating to a nervous system. And I found mm-hmm. that a lot. And I so, just want you to yeah. repeat what you just said about how your emotions or sorry, your relationships can actually dysregulate your nervous system. Because I think that's something not a connection that we make often about anxiety. It's like, oh, I have anxiety, but you're not realizing that anxiety is actually your nervous system is effed up. Your environment. Yeah. Create, like, right. So you walk into your home, there's clutter everywhere, your partner, and this is, and bringing in human design a little bit, because I don't think that everything is personal, right? Sometimes it's just an energy mismatch where Ooh. you're, it's not meant for everybody and not everybody is meant for you. And mm-hmm. we ignore the signals in our bodies around mm-hmm. who is good for us and who isn't because our mind is like, well, but they do this, they do that. They're, you know, good 29% of the time. Mm-hmm. So like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And we ignore our body and our body will start screaming at us to be like, mm-hmm. this is not safe for you anymore. And it doesn't have to be a violent relationship. You can right. leave if you walk into a room and you see your partner and all you want to do is run away. That is a sign to leave. You don't have to stay there. You can start a different relationship where you don't feel that way. So we're looking at anxiety. We're looking at relationships. We're looking at our environment. And that includes our relationships, work, yeah. um, diet, nutrition, lifestyle choices, caffeine, alcohol, um, 
there can be toxins. We could have excess copper. We could have excess mercury. Our body could just not be able to process things as well, which increases our anxiety. I had a copper IUD, which led me to have mm. severe panic attacks and anxiety. Yeah. It, it wasn't a mental illness. It was <laughs> something in my body. And I think mm. we miss that a lot with people where in my practice, I'll run hair samples and I'll see what are your minerals at? Because if you have no magnesium and no potassium, which helps your body to relax and calm down, of course, your nervous system is going to be anxious. You're going to feel the physical sensations of anxiety. So there's mm. that piece, but there's also the mental side of anxiety, right? There's the ruminating right. thoughts. There's the OCD type of behaviors. So anxiety, there's so many different things happening at its core, no matter what's causing the anxiety, um, whether it's the physiological stuff, you still have this brain thing that's happening where the amygdala is scanning for danger, whether it's the environment, whether it's inside, whether it's something in the body. Um, and then the amygdala sends a message to your adrenal glands, which are like, get us out of here. And then we release 1400 chemicals, adrenaline, cortisol that make us feel like crap in our body, which leads that anxiety cycle, um, which is sort of what leads into heart math, how that's connected to anxiety. So with heart math, we're looking at those things like anxiety that trigger that, we'll call it the, the depleting emotional response, anger, anxiety, stress, fear, um, sadness, depression, those, as well as anxiety, those emotions are releasing similar chemicals that are draining to our body. And so with heart math, we're looking to figure out and become more empowered. Because another thing with anxiety is we sometimes become a victim of our circumstances. Yeah. So with heart math, we're, be, we're looking at our emotions and saying, actually, we can choose. I can choose to shift into a feeling, a state of ease right now just by deciding it. I can choose to feel gratitude right now by thinking of people that I love. I can choose love right now by looking at the two of you. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think we often get stuck in what this is happening to me. We get into a space of fear and sort of pessimism around our symptoms where when we begin to see, oh, actually we can choose to shift and, and practice these skills over and over every day. It's not just like a one-time thing. It's like, you don't go to the gym one time and then go run a marathon. Right. You train for it. This is, it's right. a training, heart math is a training program um, I, to help you get to that point where you're resilient, which so then the anxiety, whenever it shows up is like, oh, okay. Like, Hey, how are you? Like, I know what you are. I'm not afraid of you. Okay. Let's keep living our life. And that's the goal. I love that you said that. And I love that because I'm sure there are a lot, there may be some people listening right now who have been struggling with severe anxiety for a long time. And, mm -hmm. and, and maybe the idea that they have the option to choose doesn't sit well with them or that, yeah. you know, and that's totally fine. But I think your message is that even for a millisecond, if you can you can use these tools to help gradually build these skills. And so exactly. no matter where you are on your anxiety journey, it sounds like you're saying there are tools that are within your grasp, your grasp immediately that you can use to build on. Is that right? Yeah. And I was that person. I mean, the whole reason I treat anxiety is because I've lived with anxiety forever. Mm -hmm. So I was the kid that chased after her mom's car and never wanted to go to school. 
Um, mm-hmm. I had seizures when I was a kid. So I was always afraid of like, what if my parents weren't around and something, you know, happened mm-hmm. to me? Um, mm-hmm. I would have panic attacks in the grocery store. And so it was through my own healing journey, which is why in my practice, I only treat what I've been through because I come, I want to make sure that I get it. And I can come from that perspective rather than being, you know, an expert that's up here. It's like, no, like I know what it feels like to have a panic attack. I know the feeling of thinking you are dying. And that is what it feels like. You might as well be dying. It feels that terrible. And, and it was through my own healing journey that I feel like I can now speak to people that are going through it. Um, because I know how hard it is. I also know that there are certainly actions that we can take that takes us out of that place of hopelessness. And there, like when I first realized it was anxiety, I didn't have a name for it until I was like in my (laughs) thirties, my whole, my, my, my thought was, I'm just going to get hypnotized. I'm going to get hypnotized (laughs) and it's going to take the anxiety away. Like I'm never going to have panic attacks and it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. And he wouldn't hypnotize me. I'm like, come on, dude. Like instead he gave me (laughs) a 45 minute meditation that I was supposed to listen to every single day. I'm like, that is not freaking (laughs) happening. So I think I saw him a couple sessions and he wouldn't hypnotize me. I don't even know if he knew how to hypnotize people. Um, And then I was like, all right, so I'm going to figure this out myself. (laughs) Like, I'm going to look at my diet. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to, you know, learn every freaking tool that's on the planet to deal with my own anxiety. And then I'm going to teach it to everybody. Wow. That story took a quick turn. Yeah, like, what hypnotizing? <laughs> I thought it sounded like a really effective, smart strategy of like just take oh. it away, like just you know, like tell my brain, like put it over there, put it in like whatever subconscious. Okay, this is a perfect segue into what I was just going to ask you because I think and and I feel this way myself sometimes that mm-hmm. rather than the perspective of what to use your words, what tools exist to be able to help deal with anxiety Mm -hmm. rather than thinking I'm broken, something's wrong with me because I am anxious and have anxiety attacks and therefore I have to just get rid of them or else. Mm -hmm. Would you, when you have people come to you, do you find that there's a lot of rewriting that perspective in order to be able to say, hey, here are the things I'm going to teach you. It's about that rather than just trying to get rid of a thing that you're not going to necessarily feel successful in? Yeah. Well, so first of all, we all have anxiety. We all have an amygdala. It just, Mm -hmm. some people have more interoception, meaning they can sense the changes in their body a little bit more, which Mm -hmm. tends to make them more anxious. Some people have parents that were really, really wonderful, but never really let them explore the world safely. Um, you know, some people just have, you know, more physical sensations, which leads to that. And so the first thing is normalizing that we all have it. Like there is no one on the planet that does like they would probably be really injured because anxiety serves a purpose. It helps to keep us safe. If, if there is a dangerous, you know, like something around a corner, our nervous system, our anxiety is going to protect us and be like, get out of here. You know, that's what it's for. So we don't want to get rid of anxiety. That is never the goal. 
we want to keep that system in place because that is our safety survival system. That's why we're here. Um, and if you go back to our ancestors, like that's why we're all anxious because the people that our ancestors who were like the cavemen that were chill, like, oh, whatever, it's just a, you know, a bunny in that bush. Like they were eaten, right? So they didn't right. pass their genes down to the rest of us. So we have these negative, anxious brains because all our brain cares about is survival. It does not care if you're happy or not scared. It would rather you be scared because then you do nothing. But your soul wants so much more. Your soul wants to explore it all. And so what we have to do is get really comfortable with being uncomfortable and being uncertain. And so it's sort of retraining ourselves with anxiety. It's always just like, Ooh, like, wait, what's going to happen? Like, I don't know, this could go wrong. Our negativity bias is going to come in. So we want to shift that mindset to, okay, what could go wrong? Yeah. I'm like, I want that. I Whoa. want that thing so bad. And I, and we're not going to do that without teaching some tools, right? We're going to teach right. some deep breathing. We're going to educate about what's happening with anxiety. Once you understand like, oh, it's just my physiology. I'm not dying. Okay. Then I'm going to deep breathe. Maybe I'll drink some water. I'm going to move my body. I'm going to go with a friend if that is comforting to you. So you're not going to go on offense without having a little training but the goal is to go on offense. It's to push our edges and to see, okay, if I'm not afraid every week, something is wrong. Oh my God. I'm envisioning a scenario where like, it's almost like a dissociation kind of that you've described. Not, not, that's not probably not the right terminology. I don't know, but yeah. you know, I like, feel a, like, elaborate. like a separation, I guess, of mm. separating yourself from the feeling so that it's mm -hmm. not all consuming, yeah, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I love and, that. And what I'm picturing is almost like a by Felicia, like this, this <laughs> Felicia, she keeps coming yes. to pick on me and exactly. I don't appreciate it. And we're just going to meet her right where she is and tell her to go fuck herself. You know yeah. what I mean? Like that's kind of how I Yeah. So that is, and that's perfect. Thank you for bringing that up. Cause that's what, like when I teach uh, kids anxiety proof classes, one of the mm -hmm. things we do is we pull out, we call it the worry part. Everyone oh. got a worry part. Oh my and God, so we I pull out the worry part, we name the worry part, we draw the worry part. So you're exactly right. Then you can talk back to it and be like, oh, this, is, this isn't me. I don't have anxiety. I have a worry part that's trying to boss me around and say, you can't do it. You're not good enough. Um, and they love it. They, and I, I bring love up it. with my daughter every day. It's oh like, that's God. your worry part. Like, oh, your belly hurts. That's your worry part. Um, and so it's getting them that language. So then you're, you recognize that it's not you. So you take away the shame of it. Yes. Can, so like this strategy can be used for adults, right? Because I feel is Felicia for sure. Obviously, obviously, I can't wait to see the picture of her when you're after this call. Oh, I will. Don't you worry. You'll get yeah. one. You'll uh -huh. get several. Cause, <laughs> cause I feel like once Felicia meets my like alter ego, Sapphire something, yes. I don't know, like whatever that is, the movie, they're just, they're yeah. just going to butt heads. Yeah. And then you're going to have a conversation around like, is this actually dangerous? Is this thing that I'm afraid of really going to hurt me? And sometimes the answer is yes. And you don't want to do it. You know, you don't want kids mm. to be 
like all fearless. You want them to be wise about pushing their edges, but also being safe, right? It's, it's always fine that yeah. balance. And I've, I've had a really hard time with COVID land because there's what I would say, oh, go push past your fear. I can't do that because there's mm -hmm. actually something to like, depending on who, you know, your beliefs are, but there is, you know, something that we are fearful of. So mm. people, you know, normally I'm like, get out, go do stuff where then we're told actually we can't go anywhere for two years. Mm -hmm. um, so it was really hard. And I think people are now trying to come back and I'm hoping that there is almost like a, a doubling of the pushing the edges because we had to pull back so much. So that's sort of what I'm hoping um, we see. I am finding myself feeling way more than I was anticipating in this conversation. I was like geared up to like chat with girlfriends and like have a, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because that's how I feel with We're both of you. Kylie, yeah. it works out that way. Like, don't you, what? don't you forget that never, these episodes never work out that way. We are always called out. <laughs> Once again, I'm feeling like... <laughs> Why am I doing this? Why am I bringing these people on? Why am I learning so much about myself in these an hour and a half segment? It's just ridiculous. But I'm I'm also I guess to say very um, I'm interested. It's interesting to me that I'm feeling that way because what it seems to mean is that I was feeling myself like there was something wrong, not necessarily with me for feeling anxious about whatever, you know, the like list I have in my head right mm -hmm. now. But thinking that that automatically meant that I was doing something wrong or I was in a situation that was wrong. And um, having the option, the invitation, if you will, to say like, hmm, maybe it's, maybe you're being dramatic. <laughs> maybe you just need to like be okay being uncomfortable and then see what happens. Chill, right? Yeah. Like very, very interesting yeah. for play. me. Play with mm. it. Like, mm. okay, I'm feeling this way right now. Okay, that's interesting. What if I did this? What if I went outside? Would I feel different? What if I went for a walk? Would that change anything? So it's not, sometimes it's not having this agenda of I'm going to do this and I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm going to battle right. it. Right. That's how Ooh. I feel. That's how oh, I yes. feel. Like, let me yeah. be curious with it. Like, did I eat something today? Because sometimes food, like sugar, totally. dyes, alcohol, mm -hmm. like there's lots of things we put in our body that makes not us eating. feel ang not mm -hmm. eating. Right. Yep. Yeah. Um, that drop in blood sugar, it feels the same as a panic attack. So if people are eating tons of sugar and they have anxiety, it's likely the sugar. And if they cut it out, they would probably notice a significant drop in their high and low symptoms throughout the day of anxiety. Totally. Um, but I think wow. it's, you know, in life, it's all about how do I stay open and curious like that? It, curiosity is my number one, you know, value strength. Um, and I think it works really well, especially when we're looking with anxiety because we resist it so much. And anytime you're in resistance, you're using so much energy. It's like trying to hold the beach ball under the water. Mm -hmm. It is exhausting you and creating more anxiety. So if you can yeah. just like, okay, bring it, like bring the sensations. Like once mm -hmm. you know and that's it. So let's wind back a little bit. So you always, if you are experiencing anxiety, any sort of mental health condition, go to the doctor. Like that is step one. Like you have to figure out, like it could be a thyroid issue. 
Mm-hmm. There could right. be a blood sugar issue. You could have diabetes. Like there are, uh, there are medical conditions that anxiety is a symptom of. So you always want to rule that out first. Once you know that you are fine and healthy, which happens with all of my clients, uh, <laughs> then when the, when the worry part, when the anxiety symptoms start, you know that they're not going to kill you. So that's, I think you have to get to that point first. Um, then you can work with it. Then you can play with it. Then you can get curious mm-hmm. with it. Then you can see, well, how much can I tolerate? If I do this, does it make it more anxious? You know, does it, it make the symptoms bigger if I pay attention? What if I think about my big toe? Does that change anything? So it's like, you know, little random things where you're staying in a state of play. So if in the example of, okay, some, some random person is in the moment of, I won't even say an anxiety attack necessarily, but in the moment feeling all of a sudden, yeah, yeah. Or just like a feeling of being unsettled Mm -hmm. or maybe they have been feeling that way all day. And just in that moment, five hours in are realizing like, oh, this is a thing. Mm -hmm. And I've, that's why I've been feeling blah, blah, blah this morning. So what you're saying, one of the, these tools of, is being curious. So so saying and kind of like making a mental checklist. And this checklist is completely arbitrary, mm-hmm. right? What did I eat? What did I, how did I sleep? What's my toe doing, right? Like, right, <laughs> all of these random things. And, and what might somebody expect? And I'm sure there's a million different outcomes, Um from doing and using that particular tool in the moment? Yeah, it depends going back to, you know, what was the root cause? Are they dehydrated? Mm. What if I drank a glass of water? Let me see how that's going to go. Let me see what's going to happen to my body. Because what happens, what increases anxiety is our thoughts about anxiety. It's, oh, I'm dying. <laughs> usually that's, is usually that's the one that either I'm having a heart attack, I'm dying, I'm going to pass out. Dizziness is another one that creates more anxiety. So it's, you know, or I think nausea. the first thing, nausea. nausea. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything stomach, digestive issues, 100%. Yeah. yeah like yeah. I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. It's going to be embarrassing. I'm going to be humiliated. Right. You know, all of those things. Spiral. Um, right. Yeah. And what really helped me um, was this idea of people are actually really kind and loving. Because if I pass out, if I throw up in the store, most people aren't going to be like, ew, like you're ne-, like, they're not going to judge and shame me. Like they're not fifth graders. Right. So, right. and if that happens, like, and we're there, like, it's like, can I help you? Like, what do you need? Like, there is so much love and care in the world. And so it's almost reminding yourself every t- time you go somewhere, if like there's a place that you're anxious, it's like, people are loving there are, there's so much love. People want to help. So it's kind of changing that mindset to people are going to judge me. People are going to shame me because that's a lot of the fear of anxiety is like what it's not even the anxiety. It's what are people going to think about me when this happens? So there's this sort of, you know, we are social beings, right? And we don't, the fear of rejection and abandonment is very real. Um, And so if you can shift your mindset to, oh no, like people are going to love me even more. Mm. You know, they're going to, and I'm giving them an, if this happens, like I'm giving them an opportunity to help. I'm actually helping their karma if they have Mm. to help me. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's like, I'm doing them a favor, 
by, you know, passing out in the store or I would, but I would say most people with anxiety, I mean, there are some extreme cases where people do have like extreme vasovagal responses where they do actually pass out. Um, but again, yeah. there are people, people are helpers like Mr. Rogers. There's, there's helpers everywhere, right? Mr. So look for the helpers. <laughs> they will show up like, because I just, I, I don't know. I feel like that angels walk among us in the mm. form of other human beings. And, you know, they're sent yeah. to be on our soul journey with us, even though they're strangers. So it's just yeah. that trusting of a bigger plan, a bigger purpose, and it's okay to be embarrassed. It's okay to be humiliated. Um, and if you read Existential Kink, which is a great book, it's like, yeah, there's a party that actually gets turned on by it. So if you can get to the point where it's like, yeah, that, like, you don't want to be embarrassed, then go on offense, like do something really embarrassing and then watch how you tolerate it. Cause you will, when the thing is happening, you figure it out. It's our right. fear of the thing happening that causes the most suffering. But the when it's actually happening, you surrender and it's mm. just, you're in the moment and you just get through it. I feel like you could start with something small too. Like you're not saying, oh, I don't think you're saying you can correct me, but, or you could, I don't know. Like if, if it feels right for someone to just go out and do like the biggest, most embarrassing thing that they could think of, if that feels right for them, then sure. But I think there's, if, if you're somebody like me who's sitting here right now being like, oh my God, what would I do to embarrass yeah. myself? Like, I, it, I think <laughs> I would probably be like a little, like, let me my toes in to something little embarrassing at first and then we'll see where do you know what I mean like it sounds like yeah. that's also an option well, you <laughs> want to have tools to calm your nervous system you don't want to create a trauma for yourself so right. it's, it's that <laughs> it's that fine line between okay how far can I go and still tolerate tolerate the sensation so I'm going to feel a little uncomfortable fine but I'm not like you said, dissociating. I'm not mm -hmm. going into full freeze mode. I am, you know, not like screaming at people. Like we, we're looking at those fight flight responses. So mm -hmm. you want to push the edges, but not so far that you have a trauma experience, which is why you want to learn the coping tools. So then it's like, okay, what can I do? Can I do some breath work as I'm moving through this experience? Okay. It's not working. I can pull back. So it's, it's a little forward, a little back. And you're always, it's that dance of how far can I go? Um, and everybody's different. Everybody has their own edge right. around, you know, things that they resist. Um, but it's those things that you're afraid of that you resist that really will give you the most growth in your life. And then you'll mm. feel so proud of yourself, which feels amazing. Yeah. Do you do you ever find that people are actually really resistant to letting go of how they identify as being an anxious person or like are resistant to the work because it means changing how they see themselves? So there's this concept of secondary gain. So thinking of kids, right? We as children and as adults, but as kids especially, we love attention. Mm. And so what sometimes happens is the child that is fearful or anxious, we hover, we're there, we're over loving them, we're giving them so much attention, we're reinforcing the behavior. So there is that idea of like, there's actually something you're gaining from having this. Like, so maybe you're getting out of going to parties, 
Maybe you um, don't have to like go to the family gatherings you don't want to. Maybe you get to not go to school that day because right. you're so there's always so there's going to be some resistance because what happens is those gains, if you're not anxious, right, where what happens to the attention? So with parents, I'm always teaching give positive attention when they're brave, when they do things that are resilient. You want to shift where you're paying the most attention to reinforce that behavior because we are behavioral beings, you know, so something we're not going to do something very long if there's no benefit. Right. So thinking of it that way. Could you also think of this method, what you just described Mm -hmm. as like a a self reparenting method too, like for someone, because when you were talking, Mm -hmm. I was hearing what you're saying, but of course I was also trying to think like internally how it might apply Mm -hmm. to me, someone who doesn't have kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm on this like self reparenting journey. I can reparent myself and give myself positive action or whatever you said, (laughs) but does it work the same way? Yeah. I mean, I think we all have within us this, you know, warm, nurturing mother, right? Because every parent fails, you know, they're because they're humans that, you know, mm-hmm. we just think like, oh, you're a parent, you must know it all. Um, they're just doing their best. And so we can access this, you know, this warm, kind, you know, mother, father role within ourselves and say, well, what, what do I need them to say to me about the situation? You know, do I need them? Because, you know, for me, in my experience, my parents were really, really loving and didn't always push me to push Mm. my limits, to push my edges. It was they Mm. actually kind of liked me being home and around and comfortable. So they didn't benefit from me exploring my world. It wasn't until I became a teenager where then it's like you you know, that's when you're differentiating from your parents and, you know, sort of rebelling in my case. Um, but as a young kid, when I was the most anxious, it was like they benefited from me being anxious because then I was with them. So mm. maybe my parent, my inner parent would be like, no, like you don't have to be perfect. Like you can just go and try. You can like go and do it. Like go talk to, um, you know, those kids or, you know, whatever it is. So sort of like pushing me out of the nest a little bit more where I think sometimes mm. we think of that reparenting as like the love and, you know, the care that we didn't receive where like I felt really incredibly, incredibly loved like uh, overloved really. So, you know, for me, it's, it's the reverse. It's like maybe a little bit more tough love would have benefited me more. Mm, So, and everybody's unique, right? Every situation and every, which is why I think anxiety, um, it's really a customized thing. There isn't just one, which is why, like, I don't want to necessarily go down this pathway, but like, oh, here's one medication that's going to work for everybody. Like, Mm-hmm. In what land are we living? Like, right. there's you know a million different reasons. Like, if it's a trauma, okay, yes, if the medication is going to help you with the symptoms, so that then you can work with a therapist to help you heal the heal the trauma. I'm on board. But if it's just like you're going to get the medication from your primary care doctor, never see a therapist, never see a healer, never look at nutrition. It's to me it, that is incredibly dangerous because the medication stopped working after a time, mm-hmm. and then you have to add more, and then you have to switch, and then there are side effects. And so, like, I get very concerned when medication is the only form of treatment mm-hmm. when we're looking at really any, you know, I'm going to say mental health because I don't believe in mental health versus physical. They're all connected. Um, yeah. So I don't know how I got on this tangent, but. No, that's <laughs> well, so actually, good. 
Yeah. And it brought me up to a question of what I know you've made it clear. And I think in all of our fields, we feel the same Mm -hmm. way that there Mm -hmm. is no one individualized treatment for everybody, but what are some of the modalities that you use to holistically manage or treat anxiety specifically? Maybe. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about human design. So human design, I'll look at someone's birth information. So I'm looking at Mm -hmm. their energy and seeing where they're taking in from other people and amplifying it and some of the behavioral patterns um, and how they've been making decisions. Sometimes when we're suffering, it's really our soul has just gotten off of our path and we need something to pivot to bring us back to alignment. So it's looking at where are we out of alignment and human design is a great tool to do that. It's also a great tool to increase self-compassion, which is, that is the core of any sort of treatment is we have to have compassion for ourselves and our experience. Brutal. Um, So hard for people. So hard. Of course. But that is, you know, that is the root of everything. It's like, Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's okay. Like you didn't do anything wrong and this is what you needed in your journey. This experience, your soul wanted it. It wanted you And I find that anxiety especially is a great way for people to start exploring like personal growth, right? Because you'll do Mm. anything to not feel anxious. So it's like, teach me whatever you want. Like I will take it because this feels so terrible. Mm. So I think it can be a really great door opener um, for Mm. learning different things about yourself. Um, The other thing I'll look at is hair samples. So I run an HTMA, a hair sample, which looks at minerals and also toxins in the hair. And you can see if there's thyroid issues that are non-detectable. You can see if there's adrenal issues. You can see what um, metabolism looks like. Um, and it really just helps you get a snapshot over what's happening in the body to give a little bit of direction. And I also think every time someone's come to me, there's never been a health reason for their anxiety, but on their HTMA, there are things that are showing like, especially copper toxicity and iodine deficiency are two mm-hmm. main ones that show up, which also have this it's a physical sensation of anxiety. And so even sometimes when they see that, it's like, they just feel validated. Even if they change nothing about their diet, it's really this mental, it's like, oh, I'm not crazy. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm not dying. It's just, these are some, some things I have to work on. And then they have just a couple, maybe they want to add in more protein, you know, maybe they want to reduce sugar. Maybe they want to get more hydrated or try some different supplements. Um, you know, I'm not a big supplement pusher cause I just find they're really expensive and people don't take them oftentimes. So there's, you know, ways to get more magnesium in food or maybe through baths or, um, mm-hmm. you know, potassium in food and potassium broths. Um, and so it's really, you know, helping people to see like sometimes little changes and even just the change, the placebo effect is incredibly powerful. Oh, like yes. Believe something is going to work that you feel better. Like it's mm-hmm. really the magic of our mind and the power yeah. of our mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also look at sleep, you know, how, what are they, are they drinking alcohol? Are they drinking caffeine all day? Cause some people mm-hmm. don't connect what they're putting in their body and anxiety. They, cause they, they've been told mm-hmm. that anxiety is a mental health condition. So there right. isn't this awareness of the body and how, what we're feeding ourselves is going to impact our mood in many different ways. Oh, that's such a good point. Oh my God. I ha- I've seen a lot of my, cl- a lot of, a lot of, I've seen um, quite a few of my clients who I'm, I'm doing gut health with them. Right. Yeah. And they come in and they're on 
and, you know, medication for anxiety. And I don't talk to them about their medication because that's not, that's way outside my scope. No, it shouldn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then they decide at the end of our time together, they'll message me and say, hey, I just want you to know I have not needed this medication and I have decided to come off of it. And it's like, that's not what I do, right? But it is right. It is a huge testament to what you're saying about the things that come into your body and the things that don't Mm -hmm. and the things that don't. And when you take out the barriers and allow your body to find that equilibrium, it does it everywhere, not just in the gut, but like it provides the space that everything needs to be able to realign just Mm -hmm. as you were saying. So yeah, Yeah. it is. It's really interesting. Um, I have a question and I don't know how specific a question this is. It might be a little bit of an annoying question, but there is no annoying question ever. People that you're that you've worked with who have traumatic experiences, probably most people, right? Such a subjective term, um, you know, and some things are far more straightforward. Like, wow, yes, anybody could see that that particular thing would be traumatic. And some of it is far more subtle. But do you find, let's use, for example, really obvious situations that those people who have had those experiences uh, have a harder time dealing with anxiety or a harder time putting the tools into use or more resistance? Like, do you see any sort of Well, I mean, what I would say, if you've ever looked up the ACEs study, which is basically a study that looked at people that have had traumas and how many traumas in early life, they have, there's negative consequences across the board. So mental health, physical health, there's, you know, the impact of trauma at an early age um, is significant. And what I would say is that one, I believe healing is possible for everyone. I don't Mm -hmm. think that anything is hopeless and that with the right tools, the right um, guide, really, that everybody has the potential to live their most perfect thriving life. Um, And healing the nervous system and processing the trauma. So using tapping or EMDR um, has to be part of, you can't heal trauma with a bottom, a top-down approach, meaning you can't cure trauma with cognitive behavioral therapy. It will not work. Hmm. You have to access the body in some way, which is why the tapping and then the EMDR, which uses the bilateral stimulation. So you're accessing, you could access it through the body. Like you could tap like this when you're processing a memory. Um, But it's oftentimes the bilateral stimulation where you're moving back and forth. And it's basically like, because how our memories are are all stored, we want to use both sides of our brain to reprocess what happened so that when we think about the memory, it no longer creates the emotional response because the trauma is in the past, right? But we live it as if it is in the now. And so you want to reprocess it to make the body feel as though you are safe now. And then when you feel safe, you don't have the reactivity um, or the angry outburst because the trauma, it creates trouble in relationships, oftentimes because of how we're like, you're hypervigilant in a lot of different ways. And we're also, it's very uncomfortable in the body when our nervous system's activated. So we will use substances 
to call, it's a treatment modality, right? They're mm. trying to change their state in the, the only way that they know how. And, right. but then there's the, what's the consequence of that? Like oftentimes when I work with couples, it's always because of alcohol that there mm -hmm. are issues in the relation, not always 99% of the time it's yeah. when I'm drinking, this is what I say. And, mm -hmm. but, be, but they're drinking because they're uncomfortable in their body and they're looking for a way to relax or calm sort of that, that amygdala because mm -hmm. alcohol is effective at doing that in the moment, not mm -hmm. so great the next day. So yeah. it's, you know, it's looking at people, whatever you're doing, whether it's an eating disorder, whether it's alcohol, you, like everybody is trying just to cope. They're all coping tools. And we have to, I think, have compassion for that experience. And then, you know, for the person that's using them, it's being able to self-reflect and say, okay, is this still working? Is there something else that maybe I could explore that's going to give me the, the solution that I need that doesn't have the consequences. Um, and sometimes we need to get to rock bottom before we realize yeah. it, but it's never like, it's never to shame the person for their coping tools because they're just yeah. trying to survive. Wow. Yeah. It really so, does put a compassionate spin on all of it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I, I, I just want you to clarify, cause I, I'm sure some people who are listening mm -hmm. are probably hearing us talk about trauma and traumatic experiences and immediately they're probably like, oh, I don't have trauma. And I, we've touched upon uh, upon this in, in mm -hmm. other episodes. Okay, but cool. can you just tell us, like, what is trauma? What is defined as trauma? Is it a specific thing? Does it have to be, like, a certain level of thing, of whatever? Or tell us, what is trauma? Yeah, to would, me, yeah. is trauma is any experience where you feel unsafe to either be your authentic self or that your life as you know it is in danger somehow. So like mm -hmm. for, I'll, I'll share a trauma, which people are going to be like, that was a trauma. So I was with a group of kids. I was probably in fourth grade. One of the boys threw gum in my hair in front oh. of everybody else. And then everybody was laughing at me. And so I got on my bike like crying and rode home. So uh -huh. like, was that a big T trauma? Was my life in danger? No, but my authenticity, my feeling part of a group mm. was in danger. And so that created, uh, we'll call it a little T trauma mm -hmm. where then like I learned like, oh, people are dangerous, right? Like I'm going to be bullied. I'm going to be T. So the next time I'm in a group of people, I'm going to, my body's going to be on high alert. It's going to say like, oh, are you going to do this again? Because our brain remembers negativity, right? So our mm. brain is always going to be scanning then for potential negative things to happen from that experience. And it's all oh, about yeah. trauma. That might not be a trauma for someone else. I just happen to be incredibly sensitive as a kid. So yeah. depending on your nervous system, something could happen. A loud noise around a little baby that's a, you know, a sensitive baby could be traumatic. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a subjective experience of if you feel unsafe in really any way to be your authentic self, to that you are going to be abandoned or rejected from a community, that your life is in danger, life as you know it, I would say, um, whether it's a physical, you know, danger experience. And of course, when there's like 
you know, I think when you think of trauma, it's like you think of war, right? Or, you mm. know, things like, of course, like, obviously, you get that that is traumatic. But I think there also can be these little traumas that happen over and over and over to us that still have an impact on our nervous system and our ability to cope in the world and our anxiety. Yeah. Can you put some words to the idea of feeling unsafe in your own body? Because Ooh, when you say question. that, yeah, when you say that, I think I know what you mean. But I find that it's difficult to – I have a hard time explaining what I mean when I might be feeling that and explaining the concept to somebody else. Like, And I think it's sort of an abstract thing, but what words might you use to help explain that? Yeah, to me, it's almost like a skin crawling sensation mm. of like, like my body isn't my body. It's like I, I'm so disconnected from my body that I'm so aware and conscious of everything happening in my body. And it doesn't, and I've, it's like a losing of control. That is my experience where okay. it's like, I feel like I have no control over my, what my heart racing, um, my stomach issues, you know, I just, it's like this, um, yeah, I think for me, it's that, like, I think I go to flee a lot or fawn. Those are my two responses to, I'm not like a fighter. Um, I'm more of like, let me dissociate. Like there's things that happen like in my childhood. I'm like, I don't remember any of that. Like I just blacked that out. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's almost like a leaving of my body in a way. Um, so I don't know, but I think it's unique for everybody. I mean, why don't you share, what does it feel like for you when you have those symptoms? Yeah. What does it feel like? It feels like, I think for me, I do get that sensation, like my heart starts heart. going mm-hmm. yep. and I think it's, it's, it's softer. It's softer. Mm. Just like all of my like intuitive nudges it's really annoying it's never this like smack in the face it's it's a very gentle like whispering which is very challenging for me and it's I think this sensation is equally the same because then sometimes it it takes hours or days for me to pick up like huh huh and by that time like destruction has been done in the meantime (laughs) just like internally and sometimes I was externally so I yeah I'm um, and that's why it's difficult. Even it's, a, it's a, I'm having a hard time putting words to it. Like I said, so I, yeah. Meg, do you? What do you feel? Do you feel this way? Yeah, but I feel like it. For me, it's sheer panic. Like I definitely oh, okay. experience the the skin crawliness that Jennifer that you were talking about mm-hmm. sometimes. But it is sheer and utter panic, almost like a peril a paralysis sometimes. Yeah. Wow. Like, just like, yeah. Freeze response. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's like, yeah. It's very I don't intense. There's some That's great insane. videos of watching animals and their fight flight response. Cause what will happen, like, especially with the freeze response is they will play dead mm. and then they will start shaking, right. <sighs> to get like the energy off. And then they'll get up and run away. Like nothing happened. Like there's literally no story around. I almost died. 
it, it's just ah. what the body does wait that's what it is it's the story that we create mm -hmm. around this super normal response physiological response yep. that then makes us feel all sorts of shit right it's not mm -hmm. real it's our decision out not mm -hmm. not that the sensations aren't Total, real absolutely but like the and they feel story terrible. yes yeah whoa yeah, that that's it that's it yeah. That's the bottom line to all of this. I'm just having an epiphany. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Breakthrough. Live just for you guys. Kylie That's having great. an epiphany, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just for you. Just for you. No, Meg, I relate to your feeling if I am, if I feel like I'm not in a safe spot, which doesn't happen mm. often. But if I'm yeah. like out in the city walking around and I happen to be alone and I'm walking and I see somebody Mm -hmm. It is instant and hot. I'll just walk a different way. Even if it, you think, right, mm -hmm. you just, those are not. Yeah, anyway, that's like a, a whole segue that yeah. we're not going to go down. But yeah. No, yeah. Trust in your gut. Trust in that. It's there for a reason. Like your amygdala yeah. is picking up on so many things you're not consciously aware of. And Ugh. so it's allowing your anxiety to do what it's supposed to do, which is keep you alive. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's a literal yeah. example of survival yeah. instinct mm -hmm. right totally. there yeah so the next um, time my husband does something that makes me anxious i'm just gonna drop dead i'm just gonna play dead <laughs> and, and actually don't forget the shaking please shake, shake. oh yes. yes oh yes yeah. well kylie you you know how much i love shaking i mean I'm, I yeah but, yes, shakes, I <laughs> but shakes are my love language so <laughs> so that's perfect this is good so actually this is a great um concept to, to teach with anxiety is that let's say that you go to freeze so what would it look like to fight? Do the opposite. Oh, Can you be Ooh. flexible with Ooh, your stress response? Like if you're yeah. normally like I'm a fawner, but going through my divorce has turned me into a fighter. Like yes. I am. So then you get this like, ooh, that's actually kind of, like I realized today. Like also I got into like this Instagram argument with like a group of guys. And I realized <laughs> that I like poking the bear. I like <laughs> The feeling of like, so as much as I don't like, right, like who likes anxiety? Oh, I like anxiety. There's a part of me that loves when my nervous system is like flipped on and I'm like kind of like getting in there and they're coming back at me, but it's like, okay, like this is what I wanted. Like I wanted to feel this like fight in my body. Um, mm. And so once I realized that it was like, that's interesting. Like I always thought like I played like the, you know, the fawn, like, you know, like I'll just give in to you and you like, say, Oh, you're right. You know, whatever you say. But then once it's like, Oh no, this is fun. Like that's kind of fun <laughs> actually. Let me see who else I can, like, I can nudge and get them to trigger me in some way. Um, so it, it's, it's humanity. It's playful. It's not, you know, going, doing it to everybody, right? Like that mm. wouldn't be healthy either. We don't want to constantly create drama in our lives. This is a space to say, well, what, how could I explore differently? And then watch what mm. happens. And then maybe I want to poke the bear on Instagram, but maybe I don't want to poke the bear with my kids. Right? right. So it's being able to be flexible, which is a big deal in anxiety because anxiety is very rigid. You know, we want things to be how they are and that is how they go. And if they're not, then we freak out. And so building yeah. in that space of flexibility is really important. Looking at instead of catastrophizing, we want to problem solve. Instead of focusing on ourselves, we want to focus on other people. Um, mm -hmm. So these are the cognitive skills that we really need to 
practice. And I think social media sometimes can be like a fun place to do that. Cause like, who cares? Like, I don't know these guys, like their fake yeah. names or whatever, but it's like, Ooh, this is like, this is kind of fun. Like, and for a minute <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, I don't like this. And I was like, actually, like, I do like this. I'm into this. <laughs> This is I'm into this. I'm into this. That is that is more about the story. I am a person mm-hmm. who fights back because somebody told me that. I mean, I'm not saying that that's yeah. actually not me, but yeah. that's the story that we end up with. Like that it's so interesting. If you create your story that you like refuse to let go of then you can create a different one that serves you better. It's this like really interesting, but that means letting go of something that you curated for decades of time to be Mm -hmm. just this perfect like shit storm for yourself. And it sometimes (laughs) is hard to let go. I'm experiencing this right now. It's very hard to let go of a piece of you that you unconsciously or conscious, mostly Mm -hmm. I suspect unconsciously have built brick by brick by brick by brick your whole life mm-hmm. and then realize like I'm this is not okay this is, and this is not me this is and what this I've is been conditioned me. right it's right. like we all get conditioned which is why women typically go to the fawning is because like be the good girl right oh, so, like, I'm going back to my gum experience like mm-hmm. I could have chosen to be like you I don't know if I can swear on this, but like, you sure can. Like, you threw gum in my hair. Like, I'm gonna throw gum in your or like, you know, letting him have it. Instead, I ran away and cried. Right. So, like, that was the trauma. The trauma wasn't even the freaking gum. It was my reaction to it, where I didn't stand up for myself. Oh, right. So now it's like, oh, you're gonna come at me, like with these, like in the divorce, there's always something, right? I love it. Um, And then once you have the experience of standing up for yourself, it's like, you feel the sense of power and it's pretty amazing actually. And then you realize like, oh my God, like I've just been told to be the good girl so that you're accepted. Mm -hmm. You don't create drama. You don't get in trouble. Like who wants to get in trouble, right? And so oh. we stop standing up for ourselves. And really so, and now we are in the space of like, first of all, for women, especially right now, like our voices need to be freaking loud. Like there can be no mm-hmm. fawning. Like mm-hmm. there can be no freezing. There mm-hmm. we, and anxiety, the reason we treat anxiety is because it, once you can deal with those sensations, then you can speak your truth. And then you can stand up, stand up for yourself. And then, you know, like it gives you this incredible amount of power, personal power, empowerment, resiliency. Um, and then you can do whatever you want because anxiety stops you from doing all the things you want. Yeah. I just thought you we were talking too mm-hmm. about being the good girl. And I realized that a compl- the, the one consistent compliment I always mm-hmm. got when I was growing up is, She's so nice. Nice. She's yes. so nice. Totally it's like, nice. Yes. Oh, I don't want to be nice. Like, yeah. I don't want to be that. And I just think that's so interesting because I've gone through different phases in my life where there are specific periods of time where I can remember where I was very much a fighter. And I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I got some stories for, for another time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I, I was a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Part two. Part two. Meg tells the tells her stories tells of her when fighter. she was yeah. a fighter. <laughs> but um, but then there's also these other times that I can think of that I'm like, 
what was I doing? That's not me. I just stood there. And I think it's funny because those periods of time always happened after the periods of time I can think of where I fought. And it was like, it was almost as if it was almost as if I got, like, I felt like I was getting, I don't know, lashback or whatever. I don't know what you yeah. would call it, but well, like, I wasn't you being were getting like, abandoned in some way or like you weren't being yeah. included. Yeah. Or something like mm -hmm. I, it's, but I just think that's really interesting that yeah. like, yeah, yeah. I, I thought anyway, just wanted well, to and, coming, that. and that's sort of like why human design leads into it too, is because human design, we can see where we're conditioned. If we have open solar plexus, which is our emotional center, we amplify other people's emotions. So we will avoid making a wave because we don't want to feel it because it's amplified for us, even though it's not necessarily what they're feeling. But then yeah. it's like, I just want to make nice. I'm going to yes. not speak my truth because I don't want to feel your emotions. So we sort of manipulate oh the situation <laughs> I um, think so that we don't <laughs> have to have to feel it, um, which is, which is a survival technique, which works for a while until it doesn't work anymore. And then we realize that we're self-abandoning and then we become resentful and bitter. And then it's a, a balancing <laughs> act of how can we be kind and also honor our own truth. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. and really it's, there isn't a right way to do it. It's a, it's a balancing act. I, when I was getting divorced, or I should say after getting divorced, I had a very similar experience to you where in that relationship, I was very, very passive and to make you happy, even mm -hmm. if I knew that it wasn't the right thing or that it wasn't okay, or it wasn't going to set us up mm -hmm. to be in a better spot, like anything to avoid the thought and feeling that you are not going to be happy. Yes. Like disgusting. Yes. And no, now. No. So, so common. So common. Oh my God. It's, it's anyway. Now Brian is like, who is that person? <laughs> yeah. Can a little bit of her come back? Because you're on the other side now. <laughs> like I have swung so far the other way in respect response uh it, as in reaction to rather this this like bad situation that I put myself in and that and now it's equally like okay girl you gotta find the middle ground it, and it has been a journey of questioning um what who are you who are you yeah. like being able to identify what you need and want in order to even be in a place to speak like knowing what your truth is to be able to speak it it's like yeah. that's the step before right and and uh, anyway yeah bless yeah. him but you're, but you're <laughs> a relational being so who you are with him is different than who you were with your first husband you know with your right husband. yeah so yes. gonna, we all yes. bring up different and again it's it feels like survival right because there's different energies yes, and so we we shift and mold ourselves in order for, you know, relationships to work. Um, and it's normal. It's, you know, it's very common. Mm. So it's, it's always that check in with yourself. Of like, am I, you know, do I feel authentic? Do I feel yeah. like I'm courageous? Do I feel like I'm understanding my emotions? Am I able to speak my truth? Um, and you, you can't manipulate other, they're going to have feelings if you have a different truth than them. And so then it's learning how to process the emotional energy. Okay. I don't have to take this on as myself. Like you're allowed to have your own experience 
and so am I. And it's, it's a journey. And I love relationships. Like I'm getting divorced and like, I'm also dating and dating has been really helpful in understanding myself better. Cause I'm now right. seeing myself through different perspectives where with my soon to be ex-husband, like I played very similar role. Like how can I, what can I do? Can I make your plate for you? Can I keep everybody quiet? So you don't get upset. Like can I have yes. eggshells enough so that you will be happy? And then I will be happy because you're happy. Like that was my experience. Wow. So now in the dating realm, I desire, like I have a whole list of things. Like every time I date someone like, yes, I, but I don't put on my list. I like put things on my list because I'm manifesting. Right. Um, So it's like, I desire someone that can actually say no to me, but also can say it with respect and compassion where I can also say no to them. Um, You know, someone to grow that understands emotions that can hold my emotions when I'm a woman. So they're going to be like up and down, you know, I'm going to feel this way one day and this way another day. I'm still the same person, you know, it's just finding that right match. And there's never a perfect match, but there's people that you can grow with on and then people that are actually creating anxiety and more stress in your body stay with if you even if you're married to them like you can leave so i think i think people need permission to even if there's kids even if there's whatever like you can figure out you know there's a lot to um to break free when you have the right resources really it comes down to wow oh huge and we have come full circle my dear god oh god all right. Oil drink now. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. It's oh my 9, god. 9 a.m. here, but I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna get a mimosa after this, I think. <laughs> um um what what um what about I just want to ask this last sum up question because I think that a lot of people are going to be listening to this and thinking, well, I'm not in a, I'm not in a relationship. I'm not getting divorced. I'm not married and like questioning. So what about for people who have that is something that they might like down the road to be in a relationship or to be married mm-hmm. and they're trying to do the right work now so that they can understand exactly who is, who am I? What is my authentic mm-hmm. self? What do I want and need? Like, um, what couple little tools or things might you might you say, you know, this might be a really cool way for you to explore that so you're in the best spot you could be in? Yeah. I mean, I think it comes back to curiosity. What mm. makes you feel good? What brings you joy? What do you like doing? Where do you need to see your value? You know, where do you need to see your own worth? And so it's getting to the point of, you know, like, and I, and I look at dating, like, don't go into a date, like this is going to be your husband or wife, like go into it with like, oh, this is another human soul that I'm curious about to connect with, you know, mm-hmm. and like every interaction, you're going to learn something from those interactions, but never having this agenda of it has to be this way. Um, so I think it's that, you know, being in a space of, oh, I wonder, you know, would I like this? Could I deal with this? Like if they're doing this behavior, is this a behavior I could deal with for the rest of my life? 
Um, and then that gives you more answers like, oh, no, like I couldn't be with someone that like demeans the waiters or, you know, right. I couldn't be with someone that like throws their litter out the window, you know? So it's really noticing like, what are the things that you can tolerate? Because nobody's perfect. You're never going to get, you know, you know, perfect anything really, because we're not perfect as humans. Um, but there are certain things that are things you can tolerate. And it's also making your own joy and fun and not looking for that relationship to complete you in any way. You are already complete. Ugh. And so it's finding those things in your life that are full of joy. And then that person adds to that enjoyment of your life. Mm -hmm. And maybe you share memories together, but then you share memories with your friends. I mean, that's one thing I didn't do is I literally did nothing for 12 years. Like I spent a many, like, well, I took care of my children. So I've got three kids. So right. I was a mother. Yeah, that's, and something. That. <laughs> that's something. <laughs> but I wasn't living my life. Like I was living mm -hmm. my life for them. It was their activities, Ooh. you know, putting, you know, like sleeping, caretaking, all of that. And then it was to the point after COVID where I think I just burned out from like all of that. And it was like, screw this. Like, I am going to be like, maybe I was like a 75% good mom. And like, now it's like down to 50 like, you know what? Like, you'll be all fine. You know, just like, you'll all be fine. Here we go. Um, yeah. And I'm happier because I'm not striving to be super mom because I'm mm. striving to be happy myself, which I ultimately, I do trust that by them witnessing my own happiness, that they're actually becoming happy. And if we do look at the science of heart math, we know that that's possible because the heart resonance is so powerful. So that if we're in a renewing state, everyone around us picks up on that energy. <sighs> wow. wow. Yeah. I mean, oh. that does make sense. You think about when you stay in a, in a, I mean, we'll be extreme, a toxic relationship and your children are exposed to that. That's what they're learning. That's maybe these little mini like. little T traumas that they are picking up. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that was your kids experiences, oh, yeah. but yeah. just yeah. to like put, put more perspective into it for somebody who might be thinking like, why are these three strangers calling me out? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Sorry about it. It's a question that you want to ask, and this is a tough question. Nobody likes it, is what allowed me to tolerate this? What parts of me were so wounded that I tolerated this for so long? So it's not him. He's not to blame. He is Meg. <laughs> Meg's so hiding. Yes. So He's just being I, him. Totally. So where was I not lovable? Where did I not show up in my worthiness? Where did I not speak my truth? It, it's on me. I should, I could have walked away. Like he didn't, he wasn't handcuffing me to the walls, mm. right? Like there was, he was being him, but there was, there were wounded parts of myself that I have to work on healing so that any relationship I get in the future doesn't look like that. Um, because it's still, I'm, I'm the common denominator in every relationship. So I think there is a part similar to anxiety is like, you have to step out of victim. This is happening to me to how is this happening for me? And how am I playing a role in my own suffering? Because we absolutely all are. Mm. Oh my so, God. But it's, but it's end with compassion, right? We want to be mindful about it. Like it's, we're humans. Like this is hard to live in this life. And yeah. so, but it's much easier when we can step out of that victim mindset to say, because at, from that space, you can actually do something because I can't change him. Like he won't even talk to me. So how am I going right. to change him? 
Right. So, right. right. You know, but I can change my reaction to him. I can change my response to him. I can change my sense of self-worth. I can change who I spend my time with. You know, I can look at all those other things that I do have control over um, and shift my perspective from that place. So I think if we really wrap up this entire episode, it sounds to me like you're just giving us all permission to just go live our villain era. I think that's what it is. Like that's what the kids on TikTok are saying is what I'm saying. So <laughs> that's what this conversation reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. Just be you. Like that's amazing. Find your joy, be you, be authentic, but also be my, and I had this experience. Um, I'm not going to go deep into it, but I do notice like that because I'm an only child, I think I can be a little self-focused and mm -hmm. like think about like, oh, well, how is, what's my experience going to be? And we do have to think about other people's experiences of our actions. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's not this like, oh, go do whatever you want and don't worry about anybody else. Like you want to still Darn. be mindful <laughs> of, you know, how might this impact someone that's closest to me? Um, and it doesn't mean don't do it. It just means do it with consciousness, like be aware right. of like, oh, that actually like getting divorced is certainly, you know, like likely going to have some impact on my children. Right. Yeah. I'm still going to do it. Right. Because it's in my highest alignment. And I just, I'm trusting that this is what they need for their soul's development, but it is harming them in some way. So yeah. it's getting to that place where you can be good with your choice and be, and just to be an integrity, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. Yes. Be able to look back and be proud of the things that you did and the reasons why you did them. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Wow. There's no right answer. Oh Nobody knows what they're doing. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. Tell the people how, what are you yeah. doing? What things have you got going on right now? Um, so, so I'm still seeing clients. Um, if you live in New Jersey, Florida, New York, or Vermont, um, I'm licensed in all four of those states. And you can go to my website at Jennifer Bronznick. Um, and then I don't post too much on Instagram, except for in my stories, I post some fun things. Um, and that's anxiety proof. Her is my Instagram. And there's some, I think there's links in there. I have a free download of a panic attack survival guide in there. Um, and I'm going to do, I think I'm going to do a heart math class over the summer. So doing yes. training just in heart math. Um, so I will put that out as well. That'll be in the website or the link tree on my Instagram. Perfect. Oh and God. we'll put all of that in the notes for everybody okay. too. Yes. So you guys have it all, but whoa, whoa. Yeah. There were moments of like watery eyes today. Yeah. There was a lot of like hiding our faces. From like, <laughs> <laughs> this was an intense chat. Yeah. So I, I'm hoping that everybody is leaving this feeling, um, feeling like permission is being granted and like mm -hmm. you have the right to be empowered. Uh, and if you need to sift through some of your own bullshit to get to that point, welcome. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> join the club. Join the, join yeah. the club. Beautiful um, mess. Beautiful mess. Beautiful mess. Beautiful. <laughs> But man, yeah. thank you. Thank yes. you. Thank you, you. So, much. So, so much. So much for spending time with us. And to all our listeners, I know I'm not so good at reminding everybody, but we do put like a more concise little like action steps in the show notes. So if ever you listen to one of our episodes and we talk about a lot like this one, 
and you're like, all right, that was all great. But like, where do I start? Go look at the show notes. We'll have like a checklist there for you. That's right. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being thank with you. us. Thank you. We love thank you. you. Thank love you so much. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Curious Women. If you love our show, you can support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review. And if you know someone else who would really love our show, please share it with them too.